and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Brandon. This is a show where we come prepared with top 10 lists, while well, one of us do, and the other tries to guess in real time. <sighs> I hate openings. <laughs> Some, for one of us, you said one of us has prepared a list. I'd say once, well, sometimes one of us brings a list, but we're prepared is a little strong. Are you saying that to me, or you want that to be in the show? Everything I say I want to be in the show, except when I explicitly tell you, cut that shit out. Like everything I've ever said about Memphis. <laughs> I hope I hope you've cut that out. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, Brandon, you don't listen to past episodes after they're published, do you? Nope. Okay, well, it's probably... I I'm, a factor, I'm, a, I'm a factory. I'm turning this stuff out. I'm not warehousing it. I don't have any space in my brain or my life for my own voice. My advice is to continue that practice. And if you do get hate mail or Memphians knocking on your door one day, just it's just a coincidence. It's not because I kept all of your Memphis hate in. Just so you know. Well, Brandon, what are we going to talk about today? You got the list this week. I got the list. It's not a 10 list. This is where the ish part of top 10 or 10-ish podcast comes in. This is not a top 10. This is top 11. Oh, is that what the ish is for? That's what the ish is for. We found out today. All right. This is the top 11 most prolific American serial killers. I am so happy to hear that. You know, I was wondering which one of us would bring this list forward first. Yeah, I'm kicking off Spooktober Excellent. With, a spooky, with a spooky list. Now, these are the most prolific in terms of proven victims as opposed to potential. Some of these, the potential victims, uh, according to their their own autobiographical details or what other witnesses uh, or even authorities have, have um Witnesses and authorities, in many cases, say the count could possibly be quite a bit higher. And where it is higher, I'll say so. But we're going by the number of proven victims. Would that be like in a court of law proven? Yes, this was in a court of law proven for each for each of these. And I think the way we'll do this this time, I'm going to let you guess until I am confident that you don't know the rest. Because I'd say about half of these are household Serial killer names, and about half of these, I think we're going to learn something today. And I don't think you could have guessed them, or I'm, I'm not anticipating you to guess them, but I would love to be surprised. So we'll exhaust your guesses, and then uh, then I'll just clue you in because there's a lot of content to get here to to get through here today. Wait, so when you say you're going to exhaust my guesses, are you going to reveal when I get a guess right? Yes. Okay. If you guess one right, I'll tell you where they are on the list. If you guess one wrong. Or we're just going to move on. Uh, I will say in the interest of time and all of the interesting things we have to get through today, probably want to skip all of the, <laughs> all of the known murderers who are not in the top 11 most prolific and just skip down and right, get, start getting into the, just like a serial killer, get, uh, get down in the meat, get down in the bones of this list. Well, should we clue people in first that this is a, uh, particular topic of interest for you and I. In fact, we originally were going to do a, how would you describe it? Kind of a true crime. Disgusting. Disgusting podcast. And uh, we were going to do something disgusting. Yeah. And so Brandon and I just going into this have probably a more working knowledge of uh, the serial killer world than say my mom or the average person. Uh, not that we are experts, but I'm just saying I, I probably, uh, 
we'll have a few good guesses here. I know you said you don't want to talk about the people not on the list, but there are two names. But you in just particular. can't help yourself. There's two names in particular that I know are not on this list, but they're two of the most well-known household names out there. And a lot oh. of people probably heard of them. There's two. Uh, one is Mr. Ed Gein. He's not on there. Yeah, because he only He's killed. He's not even close. Yeah, he only, he only was proven to kill, I think, two people. And then there's speculation that he may have killed his brother. Uh, uh, Ed Gein is one of the top two or three most well-known serial killers. Well, is even a How many people do they have to kill to be a serial killer? Three? Or He's... To, uh, I mean, I guess two. If you have two, that's two... Well, two is two in a row. Three means you're on a streak. Well... I know Ed Gein is actually... Uh, Ed Gein has two confirmed, seven possible. Most of Ed Gein's notoriety comes from what he did with dead bodies, uh, even those he did not kill himself. He would go grave robbing. So he's not on this list, but he is uh, the inspiration for a lot of our horror icons out there, such as Leatherface and others. He um, went Etsy with it. Uh, thank you. By the way, you can listen to us break down the top 10-ish highest grossing horror films in box office history in episode five of our little podcast here. Ed Gein's not in the top 10. Another name not in the top 10. This is my personal favorite. Well, I always hate saying favorite. We're talking about serial killers. That's why you're disgusting. Uh, at least I didn't eat that airport hot dog over a trash can compactor. But what I mean by favorite is just the, the serial killer. I've got to interrupt here for a second. Don't edit this shit out, because I'm going to say something important in the middle of this that you can't edit out. Mm -hmm. You knew that the hot dog incident would come up eventually, and I know what you're doing. This is a political move. You're trying to get out in front of the bad news, trying to get ahead of it, get ahead of the, the PR, and you're trying to spin it. And I've rarely seen a spin move so blatant well, I got news for you. I left in our hot dog debate from episode seven, where we covered the top 10 largest U.S. cities by population. And I can tell you that the feedback I'm getting on social media is all Brandon. Everyone thinks that disgusting old man Brandon had to have that hot dog. And in fact, there's a hashtag movement going on right now. I think it's trending on Twitter. Brandon ate the hot dog. So if you want to tweet out there, listeners, hashtag Brandon ate the hot dog. Let's spread the word. Stop Brandon's baseless propaganda. We all know that we can put this, we can settle this. We can settle this like gentlemen. Let's have a vote. If you think Nick is the disgusting perpetrator of hot dog abduction and mutilation over an open festering trash can, in the Atlanta airport. In a crowd Tweet. full of people. I mean, this was like, if you've been in a crowded airport where you can barely walk, that was the setting here. That's what, there was no seats. There was no tables. That's why Brandon had no choice. Although I think a part of him liked it, got a thrill out of it for eating over the compact, the, the trash can. Compact. The, the environment in which Nick ate this hot dog was a couple farts away from being Calcutta. <laughs> and... If you believe in true news, in uh, truth and justice, tweet with hashtag hot dog Nick. And if you are a rube and a dupe who has been bamboozled 
by Nick into believing a fake news story about me. Hashtag hot dog Brandon. Let's look, and, at the, let's look at the evidence real quick. We're just going to spend another minute on this, and then we'll get to the, the list, okay, people? But I can't let this injustice go on. Look at the evidence from the last seven episodes. Which of the two of us went on and on about the good barbecue in Memphis? Which of the two of us snortles and chortles <laughs> like an old man? Wait, what does that have to do with hot dogs? <laughs> Just proves you're gross. <laughs> All right. Hashtag, what is it? Hot dog brand? <laughs> Stupid hashtag, by the way. Hot, hashtag hot dog Nick, if you think Nick did it. Or hashtag hot dog Brandon, if you're wrong. Hang on, let me put let me put down my hot dog real quick so I can type the hashtag. Uh, just kidding. Now, I was about to... By the way, no, neither no, of no. us neither of us are against hot dogs or eating hot dogs. In general. It's just the fact that... I'm against lies. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. Well, I know that Ed Gein's not on this list, and... He's not there. My personal uh, favorite, as in my favorite or most interesting that I like to read about is Mr. Albert Fish, who I think he only has proven kills in the three or four range, but what he did with the bodies is uh, pretty... uh, He has three... Three, okay. He has three uh, proven murders, up to eight. Yeah, but I know he claimed to have at least uh, raped and molested hundreds, if not thousands, of small children over his lifetime. He is a, a bad dude. Yeah, if you haven't heard of Albert Fish, he's a he's a bad dude. Uh, he, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but look him up. He uh, he may not have the body count, but from a from a weird ass and. Piece of shit. He's not running the daycare. Yeah, he's uh, he's up there. Okay, so let's get into the top, what, 11? Why is top it 11? 11? Why is it 11? Because one of the entries on this list is bullshit. And I'm going by what Wikipedia shows me. I, don't, I want to be completely transparent and accurate with my data. But number one on this list is bullshit. And if you guess number one, great. We'll discuss it. Otherwise... We'll save it to the end, and I'll tell you why number one is bullshit. All right, let's pause, too, and say, what, what is your source here? Is it Wikipedia? It is the Wikipedia listing for list of serial killers in the United States, and I have filtered the list by the number of proven victims. Okay. And Wikipedia, of course, has sources backing up each. There's no possible way Wikipedia could be edited by madman who just yeah. happens to have a computer. Well, by the way, if you do edit and put something wrong, they do have a review process, and someone fixes it back. I'm just saying. Well, all right, nerd. Uh, okay, so there's one name that came to mind when you were talking about number one being bullshit, and uh, I'll say that name now that I'm thinking of. This person, I think, has only been proven to kill, well, I don't know. I'll just say it. Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas is not... In the top 11. Yeah, because I believe he's the top in terms of what he claims, if, that, if I have that right. But I think he's only been proven to kill, you know, like he, two. He claims to have killed more than 200. And he is near the, he's second on the list in terms of possible victims. He confessed to approximately 3,000, although most of them are considered outlandish. He is proven to have killed 11. But no, Henry Lee Lucas, he's not on our list. Okay. So let's just go through some of the obvious names now that everyone's going to be thinking of. 
I don't think he's number one, but I think he's somewhere in the the five to ten range, and that's going to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer is not in the top ten hmm. or top eleven. His number of proven victims is seventeen, and that's also the same number of possible victims because he famously gave a couple of interviews and gave a complete confession to all of his crimes. Right, seventeen. Okay. Anything else you can tell us about Mr. Dahmer? No. He didn't really do anything very interesting. But I'll explain for the folks at home who don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is. He was a, a, a shy, mentally ill Minnesota man who, I guess it, he was gay, not bisexual, right? He was, uh, uh, and he would, yeah. But but let's let's clarify on mentally ill. I mean, no, it's not like he lived his life with people knowing he was mentally ill. No, he was. He was in he, as far as the the average person was concerned. He was just another member of society. He was weird. I think everyone thought he was weird. Quiet. But I don't, but I don't think people knew to the extent of how much he lived in a fantasy world. Right. And how much his emotions were tied into the fantasy world and how he blurred his fantasy and in real world. But he He would pick up young men at the bar and bring them home to drink with them. And then he would poison them or in some cases he injected Drano or liquid plumber into the brain. He was trying to make a zombie. He was trying to make a sex zombie. And so he would kill them and then he would keep them and have sex with them because they were, that's what he wanted. He wanted a, he was a, what they call a product killer. He, I don't think he particularly enjoyed the process of killing like some killers do. He enjoyed the product. So he killed, so he killed in order to get bodies. And then of course he famously dismembered and cannibalized. Some of those, some of those young men. They, they found some body parts in his uh, fridge and freezer, and he would keep the bodies for a long time. And he had a, he had a box or a bucket of uh, wieners. Right. Yeah. And and I guess we glossed over Ed Gein, but you know he was famous for that kind of stuff as well to a larger extent. Um, but you know, uh, one thing he left out on Dahmer that contributed to you know you mentioned he was mentally ill and unstable and lived in a fantasy world he was also a severe alcoholic which didn't help matters it didn't help but would you say that dahmer it, it rarely does would you <laughs> might help getting through this podcast would you say that dahmer is number 1 on the list of serial killers like if someone as far as like famous when people think serial killer people that are into that stuff and are not just the average person serial killer i think dahmer's kind of the poster child I think he is. Um, I think if the more you read about these characters, the more you may have um, sympathy is a very strong word. But the way you, you may feel for someone like Jeffrey Dahmer for, for knowing that he was extremely mentally ill. And I believe after he was treated for his mental illness in prison, he was relatively uh, normal. But mm-hmm. no, a lot of these guys are just real bad dudes. Yeah, and so why don't we, when we go through these, let's give, you said the body count already, but let's also give the, the years they were active, or at least the year they were caught. Oh, I've got it. Wait, for Jeffrey Dahmer? I'm pretty sure Dahmer was caught in 91. He was caught in 91. He was active from 78 to 91. Yeah, but I think... He was murdered in prison by inmate Christopher Scarver. Real quick on his years active, his first kill was in 78, but that I think he had a dry spell after that. Most of his murders were like in a two or three year span. Right. right. He he was almost caught at one point because one of his victims 
who had a hole drilled into his head with acid in it, had wandered out before dying onto the streets of Milwaukee. Dahmer caught him out there, told the police that had been called that he was his boyfriend and he was drunk. And then the police escorted Jeffrey and the man with a hole in his head back to Dahmer's apartment, where he was then killed and... Uh, I do have to think a little due diligence on behalf of the Milwaukee Police Department would have revealed that this uh, half-naked young man had a hole in his skull. Probably shouldn't be sent back where he came from. Okay, so wh- why do you think it is that you agreed with me that Jeffrey Dahmer is probably, if not number one, then at least like number two or three of the poster children for serial killers when he's not even in the top 11 on body count? I think because of the exceptionally macabre state of his home. It was highly publicized photos and imagery from in and around his apartment of his victims, uh, as well as the idea of cannibalism. You know, killing someone is, you know, it still makes the news and it's, um, it's a headline, but very few of these guys or women, I guess I should say, go on to eat their victims, and I think it's the eating part that that propelled him into the national spotlight. And I'll, I'll add too that it was relatively recent. Nineties is pretty late in the serial killer genre, just because you don't really see serial killers as much these days because of whatever reasons. Uh, technology probably near the top of the list on that, but I'm going to guess that Dahmer is one of the most recent, if not the most recent, heavy hitter, big name. Well, I, he's not on your list, I guess, but. He's not on my list, but there is someone who was active more recently and caught more recently. Should I move Start on? Start guessing. We right. there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot to get into. John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy is on the list. He is number five. He has thirty-three proven victims. The number of possible victims is one more at thirty-four. So John Wayne Gacy. I think he's also one of the most uh, famous or well-known serial killers, but I'll explain for the folks at home who've never heard of the killer clown, Pogo the Killer Clown. John Wayne Gacy raped and tortured at least 33 teenage boys and young men between 1972 and 1978 in Cook County, Illinois. Oh, and he also murdered them. I don't know why the word murdered got left out of my notes. Now, all of his murders were committed inside his Norwood Park ranch house, and those victims were brought to his address by force or deception. All but one of them were murdered, either by asphyxiation or strangulation, with a makeshift tourniquet. He buried 26 of those victims in the crawl space of his home, and three were buried elsewhere, and uh, four more were, uh, he dropped them in a river. He was sentenced to death in 1980 for 12 of those killings before he was finally executed by lethal injection in 1994. And he was known as the killer clown because of his charitable services at fundraising events, parades, and children's parties where he would dress as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown, characters he had devised. And I had, I've heard once among the clowning community, it's true that paint, face paint, featuring sharp lines and angles is discouraged. I guess most children's clowns use round um, mm-hmm. or curved patterns to the paint because angles and sharp points in the paint are seen to be more aggressive or scary to children. And it is worth noting 
that if you Google picture of John Wayne Gacy clown, or if you Google Pogo the clown, you will see a picture of him. Oh, it's terrible. In his clown makeup, he has two blue triangles over his eyes that end in high, high points near the top of his head. And he has a very wide, wide Ronald McDonald red smile that is pulled into two very sharp points onto, onto his cheeks. So it's just interesting that even in his clown makeup, he is mm-hmm. uh, aggressive and creepy. Yeah, but how much of that is because of what we know? You know, like if you've just seen this clown for the first... I mean, if mo- I, most if clowns I are ne- creepy. If I, I was going to say, if I had never heard of him before and just saw this picture, I'd be like, well, <laughs> unless this cr- clown has... Um, Inflatable boobs. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yes, sir. Uh, so, yeah, he was a bad dude. I will say for this list, there's a lot of these guys that are extremely well-known and extremely well-researched. Even if you just went and read the wiki, the wiki page, you're going to be way better educated than we would ever have time to do in this short podcast. So I will say, with some of these big heavy hitters, I'll give the big highlights of a quick discussion. But the really interesting ones on this list, I think, are those that we don't know about and have not yet been researched or discussed in great detail. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with him, too, because he was a very prominent member of his community. He owned some Kentucky Fried Chickens. Yeah, I believe he had some of that, uh, some Kentucky Fried Chicken for his last meal, too, on death row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, uh, he was kind of the... You know, fear of clowns and clowns being creepy, and it's been all kind of move, all kinds of movies and books on clowns since then. I think Gacy was kind of the start of that becoming a mainstream thing. I'm sure there's always been small groups of people afraid of clowns forever, but I'd say when Gacy hit the news, that came he sure did. It wasn't a good press day for clowns. What year was he uh, caught and killed? His makes it sound like as soon as they got him, they just shot him right there. <laughs> um, he was caught uh, in December of 1978, and he died. He was put to death by that lethal injection. Was a lethal injection in 1994? Was the lethal injection liquid KFC? You know. I'm going to look that up right now. I don't think so. Oh, I can't tell you what he had for his last meal. He was allowed a private picnic on the prison grounds for his family. For his last meal, he ordered a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, a dozen fried shrimp, French fries, fresh strawberries, and a Diet Coke. <laughs> got to keep the, Got to keep his figure before his death on the Diet Coke there. Uh, he was a portly gentleman. He was a great big fat person. <laughs> Do you know what his final words were? Something like kiss my ass or something. It was kiss my ass. Yeah. He was a pleasant, pleasant young man to be around. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't laugh at that, but I did. Sorry. Yeah. It's like he's mad at us for catching him for killing 33 innocent. You fucking dicks. You're going to do this to me? Kiss my ass. Well, they had some trouble administering the IV of lethal injection. So maybe he was just irritated about that. Last thing on Gacy is uh, I particularly remember about him that one one of the common traits among serial killers as children is they get a head injury. Gacy Gacy had a head injury as a child. Yeah, we'll see some more of that uh, in the rest of this list, too.
All right. You've got one heavy hitter down. Uh, I know you know the names of some of these others, so. Yeah. Okay. You know the guess. For another one, I'm going to go with Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy is on the list. He is number nine with 28 proven victims. He was active in the killing game in 1961 to 1978. Uh, he was convicted and escaped from prison and committed more murders and then convicted and sentenced to death. He died by the electric chair in 1989. Wait a minute. Electric chair? Sorry. Yeah. I thought I had read that he died from um, an electric trimmer. Is that wrong? He, it wasn't a trimmer. Okay. It was a, we'll fact check that. Put him on a whole chair. So for the folks at home who've never heard of Ted Bundy, um, in the 1970s, he confessed to 30 homicides committed in seven states between 1974 and 1978. The true victim count is unknown and could be much higher than 28 victims. Targeted young female victims, many of whom were brunettes, long, brunettes with long hair parted down the middle. He was known, or many of his female victims at first, not after, but at first thought he was handsome and charismatic. But then he would kidnap, rape, and murder them, and they no longer believed those things. And he also would return to make necrophilia upon those women until they were too decomposed. He kept some of his victims' heads in his apartment. Who doesn't? Instead of luring a woman and overpowering her, sometimes he would just break in and beat them to death while they were sleeping. But I think one example of, of how scary he was is... Uh, the crime, crimes he committed at Florida State University. In the early hours of January 15th, 1978, he entered Florida State University's Chi Omega sorority house through a rear door that had a faulty locking, me locking mechanism. Hang on, hang on. Before you go on, let's, let's say too that this is within a few days of breaking out of prison. Uh, yes, well. I forgot to mention. Yeah, he, he broke, broke out, out of prison, prison several times. And he had a lot of energy saved up. At about 2.45 a.m., he bludgeoned Margaret Bowman, age 21, with a piece of oak firewood as she slept, and then he garroted her with a nylon stocking. And then he went in the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, and he beat her unconscious and strangled her, tore off one of her nipples, bit deeply into her left buttock, and sexually assaulted her with a hair product bottle. And uh, that... that those teeth marks on the left buttock is what led to his downfall in court, actually, after. Right. He also went in the next bathroom and attacked victim named Kathy Kleiner. He broke her jaw and deeply lacerated her shoulder. And Karen Chandler suffered a concussion, broken jaw, loss of teeth, and a crushed finger. So he attacked four women, detectives believe, in a total of less than 15 minutes and within earshot of mortar, more than 30 witnesses who heard nothing. After he left the sorority house, he broke into a basement apartment eight blocks away and attacked another Florida State student named Cheryl Thomas, dislocating her shoulder and fracturing her jaw and skull in five places. She was left with permanent damage. It also ended her dance career. So I guess she lived, which is great, but um, yeah. had long-lasting injuries. And then on one of the beds of the girls, police found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask containing two of Bundy's hairs. So Bun Whoa. Mr. Bundy was a uh, process killer. Or he, maybe he could be considered both because he did necrophilia, but... He was a jerk. We yeah. can agree on that. I'd put Bundy up there near Dahmer on the poster children of uh, serial killers. 
Bundy was another one prominent. He uh, was into politics there for a while. And another. He was a young Republican. Should tell you everything you need to know about a young Republican. (laughs) Which should tell you everything you need to know about Brandon's political views. And also, another fun fact about Bundy, I guess this is semi well known. Before, but before all this, he worked at a suicide hotline in or near Seattle. And the woman he sat next to when he would talk people off the ledge, literally on the phone, the woman that sat next to him ended up becoming a best-selling author based off her experiences with Mr. Bundy. Her name's Anne Rule. Yeah, she wrote a good book about uh, him called The Stranger Beside Me, and then she went on to write books about other serial killers as well. Yeah. And right. uh, my, my other favorite fact about Bundy is that he represented Fun himself. Facts. He represented himself in his trial. One of the things that people uh, always write about Bundy is that he was extremely, uh, what's the word? Uh, intelligent? Well, he was intelligent, but he was also con- extremely conceited and yes. um, sure of himself and confident. And he thought, Arrogant, egotistical. Yeah, thank you. Arrogant. He, that's what I was looking for. He was sure that his best chance of getting out of this, he could talk his way out of it by representing himself in court. And, and he talked his ass right in the electric chair yeah, where but, he belonged. Right before dying, though, he, of course, blamed everything on uh, the porn industry. That's right. Pornography made him do it. That's why all the millions upon millions of people in the world who view pornography also go on to serial murder people. All righty. So, direct got nine left. There's a lot. There's a lot okay. left. Let me get there's a lot of names on here that I don't think you're familiar with. I'll uh, get through the rest of the obvious ones. We'll say BTK next. No. He is not on this list. Okay. He, I think, what is he, 14-ish? Not, not his ranking, but how many people he killed. Okay. Dennis Rader has 10 proven victims, and that is also the number of possible victims. Taking place between 1974 and 1991, he is the one also known as the BTK killer. Find, torture, kill, yeah. killer. I mean, we'll move on since he's not on the list, but I'll just say... Look up BTK. I'd say he has one of the most punchable faces of serial killers. I'd call him one of the biggest assholes. Not that all, not that anybody here is a stand-up citizen, but Raider is just an asshole about everything. And, he uh, has a just a pinched face, smug, yeah, smug nerd asshole. And he had he had a family this whole time. He killed innocent children and tortured families. I mean, he he's a real piece of work. Don't like that guy. Look him up. Let's have another guest then. Uh, what are some other obvious ones? I know that Ed Kemper's not on here, but he's another really interesting one. No, uh, he's not. I know that... I'm going to give you a clue. Hang on. Is Leonard Lake and uh, no. Charles Ng on here? Okay. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's my clue? Oh, give Richard, you a clue. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez is not on here. Damn. Okay. Richard Ramirez had 13 proven victims, 14 possible victims. He is known as the Night Stalker. Not the he's not on this list. He's not the original Night Stalker. The I, original Night Stalker is one of my most interesting subjects to read about in terms of serial killers. And if you are interested in serial killers, I highly recommend doing some research into this one. The original Night Stalker slash the East Area Rapist slash the Golden State Killer slash the Salia Ransacker was just arrested based on DNA evidence Earlier this year in May, April or May 2018, nearly 40 years after the beginning 
of his crimes. And yeah, I honestly, he was, I was extremely interested in this case. Before he was caught, I never, ever thought they would catch him. And they did. And the entire story is extremely interesting and it is still unfolding. So if you're interested in this stuff, read up on him and then get ready because he is going to trial very soon. And I'll also give a quick shout out to the Unresolved podcast. Their first, their first episodes, a great series on the original Night Stalker before he was caught, but it's still a great uh, listen. Recommend that. Yes. Who was I talking about? Shout out to Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, shout out to uh, Mel Gibson. And for Richard Ramirez, uh, I just wanted to say on him real quick. Be careful shouting out to Mel Gibson. (laughs) Why? He's still hot button. Is he? Okay. Sorry, people. Didn't mean to press you or hot button. But Richard Ramirez, quick comment on him. I'd call him one of the scariest serial killers in terms of he was... Dental hygiene. There's that. Uh, but if if that was enough to scare me, then I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you. He loved to torment his victims and freak people out. He he left people alive sometimes, too, just so they could live with the fear of him coming back. Real classy guy, Mr. Ramirez. And so did the original Night Stalker. Okay, is he, he is he on the list, original Night Stalker? He's not actually on this entire list at all, I guess because he has not been proven in a court of law yet. His number of... Of proven victims, I think at the end of his life will be somewhere around twelve. Uh, let's see. I'm, I know I'm missing some big names here. Let me You're ready for a clue? Okay, let's do a clue. Seattle, Green River. Oh, yeah, Green River. Okay, Green River Killer. Do you know his his name? Gary Ridgeway is number two. Technically, he is number one. As we'll find out in just a moment, he is technically number one on this list, I feel. The total of 49 proven victims. All those victims were prostitutes. Most of them, yeah. Most of them, yeah. He's convicted of 49 murders in Washington State that took place in the 80s and 90s. He mostly killed prostitutes and teenage runaways. He strangled them with his bare hands, sometimes using ligatures, dumped their bodies in forested and overgrown areas in the Seattle area, often returning to their bodies to have sex with them, which I guess is a thing. Non-consensual sex. He was finally arrested in 2001 as he was leaving his job painting trucks at the Kenworth factory. He had been a suspect since the 1980s. He was on police radar since the 1980s. DNA was finally able to tie him to the murders, and he's still alive in prison. He was married with a family, I believe. He was married a few times. Let's see. Friends and family described him as friendly but strange. Would you marry a serial killer, Brandon, in prison? A female serial killer? Sure. Well, I mean, it would... There are there are female serial killers, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, but there's just so few of them. Uh, no, probably not. You wouldn't? Probably? Okay. He probably wouldn't, everybody. I can't rule it out. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, during his second marriage, he became very religious. He started beating the Bible real hard at work and at home, insisting that his wife and follow these strict Bible teachings. It would make him cry after he went to church or read the Bible. He was so wrapped up in it. But then he also um, kept having sex with prostitutes and wanting his wife to have sex in public and inappropriate places, sometimes even in areas where victims' bodies were later discovered. Ew. We don't know that these he was raping his wife, right? I think we could assume that it probably wasn't just sweet vanilla yeah, lovemaking. He, yeah, okay. 
Uh, he also had a bedwetting problem until he was 13 years old, which is uh, one part of the McDonald triad. He also had an IQ in the low 80s. So he was a bit of a dope. He was a bit of a Forrest Gump. Hey, why don't you explain he, uh, for the folks at home what the McDonald triad is? The McDonald triad is something I think has been maybe it's more of a guide. It's not a rule that serial killers most often uh, exhibit three behaviors in childhood that are consistent with going on to lead a serial killer lifestyle as an adult. And those are an obsession with fire, killing or torturing small animals, and bedwetting past, I guess, what is recognized as a normal age to stop bedwetting. So there wasn't any information on him and small animals and fire, but he did piss the bed. So, Brandon, how long have you been living as uh, someone with all three of the McDonald Triad? I was never obsessed with fire as a kid. I'm still not particularly interested in fire. Fire's fine for whatever. Wasn't a bedwetter. And I was nice to animals. Sorry. If the Triad was loves hot dogs, loves Roger Rabbit, hates Memphis, you'd be number one on this list with a bullet. I have a question for you. Gary Ridgway... He's on this list. He's famous. People know who he is. But he's definitely nowhere near. The average person would not recognize that name right away. The same no. way people do for Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer. Why is that? Uh, I think a lot of it is probably because 49 sex workers, mm-hmm. despite the large number, they are considered among uh, police or law enforcement at times, and it sucks to say this or hear this, but they are considered like the less missing or the less dead. They are, no one is coming in like, or very few people are coming in like bothering the police about finding the killer of a, of a drifter prostitute yeah. or these sex workers have been forgotten. So I'd say that's probably, probably the biggest part of it. It's not like Dahmer's victims were, but I, but you know, obviously there's a big difference between what Dahmer did and what Ridgeway did. But I guess that that was my point, that Gary Ridgway's methods and and all that was just kind of more traditional, for lack of a better word, than Dahmer. Pretty traditional. Pretty traditional meat and potatoes guy. You know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say, though, right? Like, Dahmer was very outside the box and shocking. Yeah. Whereas Gary Ridgway... He thought outside the box. He was drilling holes in heads and pouring Drano inside. And, yeah, Gary... Which, all that's normal if he just didn't kill him. Right now you've got three out of 11, and we've been talking for almost an hour. Okay, okay. Um, why don't we add... All right, help me out. Give me some clues. I think there is only one other name on this list that you're going to recognize. And I'll give you some clues. 1970s, Houston, Texas. Oh, uh, the, the Candyman. What's his name? The Candyman, Dean Coral. Dean Coral, thank you. Yep. Dean Coral... It was called the Candyman. He had 28 proven victims, possible victims, much more than 28. So is he 10? In the Houston area, he would be, he was number eight. Bundy had 28. Oh. Dean Coral's 28 also. So then they're tied. So Dean Coral, yeah, he's the Candyman. Let me get to my notes here. So Dean Coral is interesting in terms of serial killers because he had accomplices. He had two teenage accomplices. David and Elmer, um, who helped him abduct, rape, torture, and murder at least 28 boys and young men, 
1970 to 1973 in Houston, Texas. And he was a big time process killer. Loved it. Yes. He, the murders came to light after Elmer shot Coral. So he never lived to see trial or conviction or be held responsible for his crimes. He, victims were lured, lured to Coral's addresses in the Houston area with an offer to party, uh, which I guess means boozing and drugs. Uh, fighting and boozing drugs, fighting and fucking. And then they would be restrained and killed by strangulation or shooting. He buried 17 victims in a rented boat shed. And as you mentioned, he was known as the Candyman and also the Pied Piper because he and his family owned a candy factory. He's known to give free candy to local children. So he was kind of like... He's actually not that far, not that different from Willy Wonka, because Willy Wonka killed children as well. Do you, okay. That, that's either a joke or some reference I don't get. Have you never seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah, who's he killing that? All those kids die. When do they die? Agu- Augustus turns into a giant blueberry and floats up to the ceiling. Right. Um, what's her name? Um, all those kids die. Mike TV? Doesn't he get shrunk down tiny and die? They all die. All those kids died. Some of them fall into the chocolate river and then are just covered in chocolate and the Oompa Loompas eat them later. Every kid in Charlie and Chocolate Factory died except for Charlie. And then he got taken up in that glass elevator and God knows what happens when he got up there. So yeah, that's Dean Coral. Check. Another one who the average person wouldn't know about. I find this list kind of similar to our highest-grossing horror films list in Episode 5, where all the heavy hitters that everyone knows, like Michael Myers and Jason and Freddy Krueger and Leatherface, none were in the top 10 or 20. Mm -hmm. And all the heavy hitters here, not all, but some of the heavy hitters like Ed Gein, BTK, Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, Ed Kemper, Original Night Stalker, none are in the top ten here either. It's interesting. And then some of these people that are either somewhat known, like Dean Coral, or very little known, which we haven't even got to, but you've hinted at, are higher. It's just kind of, I just find it fun. It's, it all has to do with media coverage. I mean, I think at the end of the day. A lot of the rest of these occurred before media coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're all interesting in their own way, and at this point... There's no pans or him, is there? He- no. You don't know. I don't... Th- I'll tell you what. All right. I'm going to start going through the rest of this list. If you have heard the name of any of the rest of these, I'll take those points out of my total. <laughs> oh, okay. score. Have we been keeping score every episode, and I just didn't know? I've been mentally keeping score. So number 11 on this list, with 25 proven victims... Fellow by, goes by the name of Juan Corona. He was active in 1971, 25 proven victims, possibly more, sentenced to life in prison. There's media coverage during that. 70? Uh, well, you'll also learn that he killed the less, the less dead as well. He murdered 25 migrant farm workers found buried in shallow graves in fruit orchards in Sutter County, California in 1971. He's still alive in prison. He is a migrant farmer who had a mental breakdown after a big flood happened in California in 1955. 
This flood killed 38 people and caused all kinds of destruction. And he had a nervous mental breakdown. He believed everyone had died in the flood and that he was living in a land of ghosts. He was committed and given 23 shock treatments and then released. He was deported to Mexico, uh, but he returned legally with the green card to continue working. He, he was a migrant farmer himself. And I guess due to his mental illness, he murdered 25 other migrant farm workers. I'd never heard of him either. Juan Corona. Also, he invented Corona beer. Hmm. It's named after him. Interesting. That's not true. I made that up. American dream. Yeah. He lived the American dream. So that's number 11. You said that all his victims were the last dead. Uh, did you mention that they were sex workers as well? No, they're just, they're migrant farmers. Uh, okay. Migrant, I migrant meaning, you know, they may not have a permanent address. Uh, they may not speak English and they may not be in the country legally. So there's many reasons why they would be looked for or less reported. I thought you meant than others. scantily clad sex workers hoeing and doing farm work. <laughs> but that's not what you meant. Okay. All right. So that's number 11. Number 10 on the list is a lady. A lady cracked this list. Number 10 on the list is a lady by the name of Belle Gunness. See, she has 25 proven victims, as possibly as many as 40 victims. So we got Corona and Guinness on the list. She is also the one. She also invented Guinness Stout. No, it's not spelled like that. She's a listener of the show as well. Shout out to Bill. No, she's long dead, Ah. I guess. What was her? She was a Norwegian-American woman who killed as many as 40 between 1884 and 1908 in Laporte, Indiana. I think this is one of the more interesting stories to come out of this list. In 1908, the Gunness farmhouse was found burned to the ground. In the ruins, authorities found the headless body of an adult woman, initially identified as Belle Gunness, and her three children. Upon further investigation, authorities unearthed remains of at least 11 more people. Gunness's hired hand... A guy named Ray Lamphere was convicted of arson in connection with the fire. He confessed that Gunnis had placed ads seeking male companionship. When the men showed up to her farm to companion her, she robbed and murdered them. Then she asked Lamphere to burn down the farmhouse with her children inside. The body thought to be Gunnis was her last known murder victim. She killed a lady and then chopped her head off and stuck her in there in her place. Uh, she did this because the brother of one of her victims had warned her that he was coming back to investigate. So she killed some another woman, chopped her head off, killed her three children, or allowed them to be burned alive inside their house, and she was never seen again. Her whereabouts are unknown. She is the only one, only killer on this list, who presumably got away with it. And uh, it's interesting, a woman killing mostly women, right? Or children? No, she killed men. She killed her own three children as part of her oh. escape. But she would put ads, I guess, in the paper. <laughs> I guess maybe not on Facebook. She would paste ads in the paper saying, like, I need a male companion. I guess that means, like, I'm DTF. 
And these guys, these guys would show up also DTF and she would rob and murder them. And she kept on doing it. I mean, I guess that was a pretty good racket for her until she had to murder her kids and burn her house down. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the price you pay for fame. So that was number 10, Del Gunnis. Number nine. Wait, let's, uh, let's pause and just, uh, comment that I think the most famous female serial killer, uh, off the top of my head at least is Eileen Warnos. And I'm looking here now and she killed seven. It's another big name. And by the way, when you were talking, I thought of another heavy hitter that some listeners are probably yelling at me right now to guess, but I'm going to guess that he's not in the top 10 and that's H.H. H. Holmes. He's not. Yeah. How many confirmed did he have? I think it was only a few confirmed. I think most he of his notoriety is claimed. Is nine confirmed kills. Okay. So more than twenty-seven possible. Yep. And he's got. He was a- convicted of only one, but definitively tied to eat to eight more. He confessed to a total of twenty-seven. Yeah, and he, uh, listener of the show, Leo DiCaprio, has a big movie coming out about Mr. Holmes very soon. So he'll be even more famous shortly. We got tied for eight, uh, Dean Coral, Ted Bundy, right? Number seven is Felipe Espinosa. Felipe Espinosa, 32 proven victims, total 32 possible. Let me tell you about this guy. He was a notorious Mexican-American murderer who killed an estimated 32 people in Colorado territory in the summer of 1863. He's considered to be one of America's first serial killers. During his reign of terror, he sent a letter to the territorial governor, John Evans, and said he intended to murder 600 gringos, including the governor himself, if he and the other members of his gang were not granted property and 5,000 acres in Conejos County, where they once were. Uh, but they didn't do that, so he murdered a bunch of people. And a legendary tracker... Tom Tobin was enlisted to join the search for Espinosa. After a few days, Tobin found the outlaw's camp and had a brief gunfight and shot him. And then he cut his head off. There's a lot of head cutting Wait, off here. Espinosa cut the tracker's head off? The tracker cut Espinosa's head off. Uh, was there a reward for this? This is like totally a Old West movie. Yeah, well, we're about to hear some more messed up Old West stuff. Back in the day, they had no problems lopping off the head. If they needed proof of something, they'd just be like, oh, grab his head. <laughs> There's not much more than that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's more interesting than the wiki article would lead to be- lead one to believe, but it was pretty short. So that was number seven, Felipe Espinosa. Number six, Bill Longley. Have you ever heard of Bill Longley? Wild Bill Longley? Yeah, sounds familiar. He also has 32 proven victims and 32 possible victims. Killed between 1869 and 1878, Wild Bill Longley was a racist gunfighter who killed unarmed slaves and Mexicans. So, what year uh, did you say? It was between 1869 and 1878. He was an Old West outlaw and gunfighter, noted for his ruthless nature, speed with a gun, quick temper, and unpredictable. You know, any one of these things, outlaw, gunfighter. Ruthless nature, speed with a gun, quick temper, unpredictable demeanor. Any one of those would make for someone who's kind of a pain in the ass. And this guy's got them all. What does the wiki article mention in how was the ass? Mm-hmm. Presumably pretty good. Presumably a hell of an ass. All right. Go mm-hmm. ahead. 
Uh, so that's it. That's it about him. He, uh, right. Mama Wad is known. He was a bad dude. Wild how, how do you confirm these killings back in the old West? With heads. You're telling me he carried around, what, 30-something heads? I guess. I mean, they seem to use heads as, as, as currency back then. I'm, Brandon, I guess that's how they did it. What do you think would happen now if you went up to your local Walmart and they said that'll be $30 and you threw 30 heads up on the counter and said, there you go. You think what you know, someone got caught making meth in a Tulsa Walmart a few years ago. I gotta say, I gotta think we're not too far off from someone bringing a severed head into Walmart. I got, I mean, I, I gotta look into this. I gotta look into how this would affect inflation and the economy. There might be a future in heads, human heads as currency. It might be more sustainable than paper money. You've heard it here first. 2019 is going to be the year of a head, a human head in a Walmart. But how much do you think one head is worth? Worth? $10? To who? What what is the exchange rate for a U.S. dollar compared to one uh, decapitated head? An economy is based on supply and demand. There is an extremely small supply of severed heads. And I have to imagine that the demand for severed heads is similarly very low. No, however, you're missing the point. And I, however, those individuals who desire a head will place a very high, very high value on it. But I think in a in an America where severed heads are an accepted form of currency, heads the supply of severed heads is low now. But when they become accepted, people are lobbing off heads left and right to pay for their milk, their mortgage, their electric bill, their uh, paid subscription to Pornhub. When and the economy collapses, I think we'll all find out. All right. Severed head, I mean, the problem with severed heads is you can't fit them in your wallet. So I have to figure out a new carrying system for the severed head economy. you got to shrink them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, even the shrunken heads won't fit in your wallet, Brandon. They're cute. All right, number six was Wild Bill Langley. Number five, John Wayne Gacy. We talked about him. Number four, have you ever heard of Donald Harvey? No. He's known as the Angel of Death. Between 1970 and 1987, he killed at least 37 people, possibly as many as 80. My first note is that he looks like a sweet little nerd. If you Google Donald Harvey... He looks just like a sweet little nerd. He looks kind of like Napoleon Dynamite's brother, uh, the little guy with mustache, a mustache and glasses. Donald Harvey was an order, orderly estimated to, to have killed between 37 and 57 people. A lot of them were elderly. He started out smothering them to ease their pain. Just like anything, uh, he started to enjoy it more. That's and, not true. Hang on. It's not just like anything you enjoy it the more you do it. You know, the more time I get my blood drawn at the doctor, I don't enjoy it. Well, he loved doing this. Well, by the way, I just looked him up while you were talking and... Um, Does he look like a sweet little nerd? He looks like... I don't say this about many grown men, but he looks very cuddly. Uh, yeah, he looks really gentle. He and, wasn't, though. Uh, I mean, sorry to jump ahead, but I'm looking here now and he just died last year, 2017. Spoiler. Sorry. All right, go, I'll let you continue. Go ahead. Let's see. Yeah, he started to enjoy it more. He started calling himself the Angel of Death. Uh, The things he used to kill his victims were things like arsenic, cyanide, 
insulin. He would suffocate them, uh, sometimes administer too much morphine. He would turn off the ventilators. At times, he administered fluid that was tainted with hepatitis B and or HIV. When a sentence ends with the phrase and or HIV, the rest of it's bad. He put a coat hanger in a catheter catheter, and caused, like, damage that got infected. Holy hell. Yeah, that killed someone? Yeah. Uh, it happened in Kentucky and Ohio. He also killed his lover and roommate, Carl Howler, when he suspected Carl of infidelity. He poisoned two of his neighbors, killed one and made the other one sick, and he also killed his former lover, Carl Howler. He killed Howler's father, Henry, with arsenic. Uh, yeah, he went to prison and he was found just last year in his cell, severely beaten, and he died. He died two days later. That's so good times. I'm reading his Wikipedia now, and he was serving 28 consecutive life sentences plus $270,000 in fines. What is the point of fining a guy that's serving 28 life sentences? I don't know. They don't make. I mean, even if he stamped license plates, I don't think he would even come close to scratching that. And to make an dent in that fine. Maybe with the severed head currency system, he might have been able to afford that. Okay. Anything else? It seems like that. It seems like severing heads may have been the only thing he didn't try. Uh, no, that was it. I never way, heard of him before, but he. Yeah, me, me, me either. But I'll say that on this list, he's got the most boring name so far: Donald Harvey. Donald Harvey. Yeah. Agreed. That's number four. Number three. This is the one I've been waiting to get to. Number three. Have you heard of the Harp Brothers? Oh boy, get ready for this. Buckle There's a lot of notes. Mouth. Buckle up. Could have done a whole episode on just these guys. 39 total victims attributed to the Harp brothers, but the possible number of victims is more than 50. These are America's first known serial killers. Mikaiha, known as Big Harp, born sometime around 768, and Wiley Little Harp, uh, born sometime before 1770, were murderers highwaymen, and river pirates who operated in Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, and Mississippi in the late 18th century. They're the earliest documented serial killers in the United States from the colonial area forward. I have a lot of notes that I've, I've made some highlights on. Let me run through this real quick, and then we can discuss these guys. They were loyal to the British crown during the American Revolution. And then they became outlaws after the war and began robbing and killing settlers in the remote frontier west of the Appalachian Mountains. They're believed to have killed 39 people, possibly as many as 50. As their crimes gained notoriety, vigilante groups formed to avenge their victims, and they eventually tracked them down and executed them around the turn of the century. They were motivated mostly by bloodlust rather than financial gain. So according to the eyewitness count of Captain James Wood of the Continental Army, during the American Revolution, the Harper brothers joined a rape gang. In North Carolina, there's a whole gang of people. They're just having gangs, and their purpose when they got together wasn't like, we're the vintage video game gang, or we're the tabletop gaming gang, or like we're, or even we're like the Six Street Crips. These guys specifically said, we're a, a, ra- a gang for raping. And they raped, stole, Is that murdered. what they wore on their shirts or their leather jackets? Gang for raping? On their cuts, yeah. Uh, <laughs> raping, stealing, murdering, and burning and destroying property. So that was bad. Let's see. And then sometime 
during 1797, they began a vicious, I mean, it already sounds like they had been viciously crime spreeing, but then they, they really got after it, uh, going through Tennessee, Kentucky, and Illinois, and this is where they made the, the most of their murders. Uh, in 1797, when they were living near Knoxville, they were accused of murdering a man named Johnson, whose body was found in a river covered with urine and ripped open the chest cavity filled and weighted down with stones. That became a signature way that they disposed with bodies as part of their killings. They also butchered anyone with the slightest, at the slightest provocation, even babies. These guys lived their lives like how I play Grand Theft Auto V. They, if they came across someone that they didn't like the way they look, like a peddler taking his horse from town to town, they just killed him and took his horse and his goods. They made a habit uh, when they were hiding out near a cave. Near uh, a cave, uh, they made a habit of taking travelers to the top of a bluff and stripping them naked and then pushing them off the bluff. Let's see. So then rewards were placed on their heads. And the whole time they're doing this, they're running around their wives and children, towing them around the country. So there's more stuff. Throwing more people off the bluff, stripping them naked, pushing them off, cutting throats disemboweling people, throwing them in the river, killing girls, killing slaves, an entire family they fell in their sleep. In August 1799, Big Harp bashed his infant daughter's head against a tree because her constant crying annoyed him. That was the only crime for which he would later confess remorse. That same month, a man was found disemboweled in a creek. And then shortly after that, the Harp brothers were given shelter at the Stagall home in Webster County, Kentucky. At the Stigall home, the pair killed an overnight guest, another overnight guest named Major William Love, as well as Mrs. Stigall's four-month-old baby boy, whose throat was slit when he cried. When Mrs. Stigall screamed at the sight of her infant being killed, she was also murdered. Uh, so they kept on killing people and flew west, or fled west, to avoid the growing number of posses uh, that were trying to find them and kill them, including the husband and father, Moses Stigall. Posse did finally track them down. Big Harp was shot in the leg and the back. Uh, then he was subdued with a tomahawk. As Big Harp lay dying, he confessed to 20 murders. And then while he was still conscious, Moses Stigall, husband and father of a slain mother and her infant child, slowly cut off the outlaw's head. Later, that head was placed on a pole for warnings to other outlaws. And then Little Harp, was finally hunted down and executed by hanging four years later. His head was also cut off and placed on a stake as a warning to other outlaws. That, wow. that is some heavy shit. Was Big Harp, Big Harp seems like the worst one. These guys, I'm, uh, I mean, there's a lot of jokes that can be made about, you know, some of the stuff that went on, but man, these guys were... Just wild, Did they, savage murdering beasts. They weren't, they didn't have like an MO, like we're killing hookers or we're killing whatever. They just killed people they ran into over the course of being they, kill, I, they killed anybody, yeah, anybody who annoyed them or antagonized them or confronted them or I even cried in their vicinity. Yeah, uh, that's sad as some brutal stuff. I, I never heard any of that. If Leo DiCaprio and our other listeners out there wanted to do more reading on uh, this sort of thing, they should search what? Harp Brothers? Harp Brothers. H-A-R-P-E. Okay, Brothers. There's an E. There is an e. 
Um, the whole thing, the, I, I really highlighted the sort of most disturbing and brutal parts, but the whole story is pretty interesting. These stuff, the awful stuff they saw in the war for American independence definitely had effect on their ability to do such gruesome things later in life. Sounds like a hell of a movie idea, but also, yeah, just interesting that those guys, I, I've never heard of them and I'm into, you know, I've done a lot of research on serial killers. So maybe it's, I think almost like outlaws are in like a separate category sometimes than serial killers, especially older ones like that. But interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to read up on them later, probably right after we hang up. Yeah. Before you get to, uh, we know number two is Gary Woodway. And before you get to number one, do you want to go through the top 11 here real quick before we hit number one? Sure thing. Number 11 on the top 11 most prolific American serial killers was Juan Corona with 25. Number 10 was Bill Gunnis. The only woman on the list and the only one to get away scot-free, except for her tortured, I assume, conscience, Belle Gunnis with 25. Number nine. Sexist pig. Only one woman. God, you disgust me. Number nine, Ted Bundy with 28. Number eight, Dean Coral, also with 28. Number seven, Felipe Espinosa with number, with 32. Number six, Wild Bill Longley, also with 32. Number five, John Wayne Casey with 33. Number four, the sweet little cuddly angel of death, Donald Harvey with 37. Number three, the Savage Heart Brothers, 39 victims. And number two, Gary Ridgway with 49. And number one, and total bullshit on this list. The Philadelphia Poison Ring. The who? Exactly. The Philadelphia Poison Ring is a murder for hire gang led by Italian immigrant cousins Herman and Paul Patrio. The Philadelphia Poison Ring has 114 proven victims and 114 possible victims. These two Italian immigrant cousins along with four others, uh, were convicted as part of the Philadelphia Poison Ring in, I think it was 1938. One of the brothers, uh, Herman, was an expert counterfeiter and arsonist, and Paul ran an insurance scam business from the back of his tailor shop. The murders began in 1931 when Herman began hiring thugs to kill men that he had arranged to insure so that he collect he could collect on the double indemnity accident insurance. They mostly used arsenic to carry out their poisonings, but as they started doing this, they hired the other people in this gang, this ring, to pull this off. It was a big insurance scam. The whole thing was for profit. Uh, so by virtue of the fact that it, they did not murder out of bloodlust or for sexual reasons or for revenge, for any other reason that's just the than profit, and the fact that they work together as part of organized crime makes me think that this is bullshit and should not be on this list. So these, the 114 victims are less dead to you than those victims that were killed for, quote-unquote, sexual reasons. Just want to make sure I have that clear and on the record. No. I'm saying that these do not belong in the same list with the rest of these killers uh, because of even though their acts are just as heinous and they've killed so many people, but they did it as part of organized crime to make money. They didn't do it because they hated or lusted or were mentally ill. They just wanted some money. They just killed people for money. It was an insurance scam. 
Yeah, they poisoned a bunch of people, and then they were uh, executed by electric chair in 1941. 1941. So I guess you're right. We kind of got every decade, or not every decade, but uh, every century represented here from the 1700s on, right? Yeah, America has a long tradition of killing people and lopping off their heads and doing all other uh, poisoning. Yep. HIV. And or HIV, yeah. So... Why don't we so go? Why don't we go through each entry on the list now and say what movie first comes to mind for each entry? I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. No, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I I'll, I'll do. I'll give you lightning round. Here you go. Number eleven, Juan Corona, uh, Corona beer commercials. Number ten, Bell Gunnis, uh, the movie Memphis Bell. Number nine, Ted Bundy. The Ted Bundy movie coming out with Zac Efron. No, Ted. The movie with the teddy bear. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> Something about you saying teddy bear. Just... <laughs> Go ahead. Number eight. Dean Coral. Coral makes me think of Coral Under the Sea. Makes me think of Little Mermaid. Spongebob. Number seven. Felipe, Felipe Espinosa. Um, makes me think of the movie The Three Amigos. Wild Bill Longley. Makes me think about Tombstone. Number five, John Wayne Gacy makes me think about Pee-wee's Big Adventure because John Wayne Gacy and Francis, the bully. <laughs> you're the right. Fat bully. Jesus Christ, you're so right. I never Hell thought yeah. that. Yeah. Number four, Donald Harvey reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite. He looks like Napoleon's brother, Kip. Number three, the Harp Brothers reminds me of that movie with Chris Farley and Matthew Perry, Almost Heroes, where they're the uh, lesser comedic versions of of Lewis and Clark, and hijinks ensue out on the frontier. Yeah, let's move on. Gary Ridgway. I don't think of Green him. Lantern. Think of him. Green River Killer, Green Lantern. I actually think about the Zodiac, just because uh, they are not similar at all in their methods, but because they're both on the West Coast and so very closely associated with a geographical region, just makes me think about the Zodiac Killer. Zodiac is another heavy hitter that is very famous, not anywhere near the top 10, or top 11, excuse me. Very good book on him, available. Uh, let me see if I have, I don't have it sitting here where I can see it. can't remember what it's called. It might just be called Zodiac. It's by Robert Graysmith. A very good book on Zodiac. Uh, and then finally, Philadelphia Poison Ring. It makes me think of the movie Philadelphia. Man, you're where just Tom Hanks was. We got it. He suffered, uh, died of AIDS and or HIV. Man, it's really, uh, really reaching into your uh, creative limits there to to come up with that one. You're welcome, everybody. Is there uh, anything else on the top eleven you want to talk about? No, I'm glad I don't have to read any of this for the rest of the day. Hell of a list, Brandy. Uh, that's what we're calling you now, officially on the show, by the way, Brandy. Nope. Also, don't forget, if you believe in truth, you want to tweet hashtag hot dog Nick, because Nick ate a hot dog over an open air trash can. Or if you believe stupid ass lies by a stupid ass filthy mouth liar, Vote hashtag hot dog Brandon if you want to be wrong yes. and banned from this podcast. 
Twitter.com slash tennis pod is where you want to go to vote and to voice your uh, belief that Brandon is the more gross one who ate the hot dog over the trash can. You can also follow us at tennis pod on Facebook and Instagram. And last plug, if you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, write a review, include in your review. Um, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't include in the review. Including, the hashtag, your, I, I was going to say, including your review that you enjoy our show. Oh, no. Include hashtag hot dog Nick. Okay. Not the right place for that. But anyway, thank you, Brandy. Thank you, listeners. Should we sign off now? Yeah, thanks, hot dog Nick. All right. Just like the victims of our serial killers, oh, this, this podcast is going off the air.